Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-host Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Uh, we have a special guest today. She'll be on for most of the program. And that is who I, the person that I call the affirmative action champion of Washington State. Yes. Uh, that's State Representative Sharon Tomiko Santos. And uh, we have a lot to talk about today. As you probably know by now, uh, she was very successful as being the sole sponsor of House Bill 1918, which uh, created the Central District Community Preservation Development Authority, which is located at 22nd and Jackson. And it's like doing a complete circle because that building was erected to house the Seattle Opportunities Industrialization Center, was brought back here by, uh, known as SOIC, brought mm -hmm. here by Reverend McKinney uh, to train and prepare African-Americans specifically uh, for job opportunities so they would have a livable wage and would be able to buy a house in the CD. So uh, now uh, House Bill 1918 has created the Central District Community Preservation Development Authority, and a lot of those uh, focuses in terms of the black community will return once again with uh, the pre-apprenticeship program and other things that the board has to decide they want to accept, I guess, in the next week or two. So uh, Representative Santos, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, we'd like to have you just make any comments you'd like to make right now. But we, we are going to talk about uh, some of your history with uh, House Bill 1158 and House Bill 2822 in your efforts to restore affirmative action to the citizens of Washington State. So welcome and uh, share with our listeners a little bit about your what you're doing right now. They know about your background already. Well, thank you very much, Eddie and Hayward. It's always good to be here back on Urban Forum Northwest. Um, I so much uh, appreciate uh, the great public service that you offer to your listening audience in terms of keeping uh, them apprised of what is going on in their legislature as well as in other um, government sectors. I am so thrilled um, to be able to um, take the next step forward on this very, very long journey that we've been on uh, to create a Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority. Um, the uh, selection committee that was um, required under law um, and uh, chosen by uh, representatives from the 37th Legislative District uh, and the McKinney Coalition um, have identified uh, an initial board. Uh, this is the official um, inaugural board for the Community um, Preservation Development Authority for the Central District. And I know they are in the process of establishing their first meeting, but it's quite monumental that we are at this point. I think one of the things that is um, something that we as community members are going to have to keep in mind and keep in check is our enthusiasm uh, for what they will do um, in order to give them the time and space to develop the foundation they will need to be successful. We don't want to rush them so that in the end they've gone off on spindly legs. Um, we want to make sure that they develop good muscular um, uh, legs, thighs, uh, calves, um, and the stamina uh, to be around for the long haul. And um, like you pointed out, Eddie, I think the long haul vision is the one that we all need to keep and bear in mind is that 
in order to to bring that to fruition, uh, we have to continue to exercise patience. But that long-term vision really is a back-to-the-future vision uh, where we look back on a very proud history um, of the SOIC building, now known as the uh, SVI building, um, that was uh, um, it, it instituted here in Seattle by the Reverend Dr. McKinney, um, who as part of um, uh, the the great vision of the war on poverty, recognizing that uh, we needed to be able to provide the education and uh, job skills training uh, to residents of the Central District, primarily African-American um, descendants of slaves, as well as other underrepresented and mar- marginalized disenfranchised communities um, uh to be able to partake in that um, great American dream of being um, uh, not only well uh, employed uh, so that they can, uh, and well compensated for that employment so that they can create a stable base for their children and their grandchildren, their community, um, and to thrive and flourish. And so that means Um, providing educational opportunities, providing vocational opportunities back at um, the uh, SVI building. Now, soon we hope to become uh, the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development um, to to bring community into the space. Um, It is also a place where it's not just your traditional um, uh, sort of – honorable professions in, uh, say, the construction trades, any apprenticeships, the aerospace industry, but it's also about focusing in on entrepreneurship, uh, which has always been a staple of our communities of color, those mom and pop small businesses. And I would not be worth my uh, my uh, weight in salt if I didn't reference uh, the children, making sure that our youth of today have opportunities to um, observe uh, the elders in their community um, being part of lifelong learning as well and to be raised in that kind of setting and community. So as you can see, I have very, very grand visions um, for this um, uh, opportunity uh, that I hope um, that uh, the uh, community will help support uh, the new board in uh, the direction that they will be moving to, um, we hope, realize this this dream. Sorry, I, I rambled for a, a long time because I get passionate about this issue. Well, that's your ability. You've been passionate about uh restoring uh, anything that would level a playing field. And that's why I've sent some stuff out saying that you have been uh, really a black lives have mattered to you for quite a while, because I think, were you 13 years old when you got your first uh, city summer youth job at camp? Uh, Yep. (laughs) So so 13 years old. And we won't say how long ago that was. (laughs) Was was, uh, your first assignment by director Larry Gossett to read, autobiography of Malcolm X? Yes, sir. That's exactly what that was. And I'm telling you, for a, a little uh, kid who was um, who was raised in, a, in somewhat a very sheltered life, even though, you know, I was, um, we were poor, I qualified for free and reduced lunch, I 
uh, lived in subsidized housing. Nevertheless, it was um, somewhat uh, sheltered, uh, and um, this that experience really rooted me in the importance of having uh, a uh, the the type of analytical skills and the lens through which we today would call an equity lens, but really is about the racial um, being able to analyze uh, the racial and class disparities uh, that um, uh, black folk, that uh, people of color, indigenous persons have um, always found ourselves in the crosshairs of. And so we need to be able to analyze um, from that perspective and then to reframe it in a way that uh, allows us to be the masters and mistresses of our own destiny, of our children's um, uh, futures. I want to see if my co-host Haywood Evans have a comment or a question. Yeah, you know, just so the listenership understands, Representative Santos, my representative, we're talking about you were pushing this I-1000 well before there was even an I-1000. So everybody has to understand that about affirmative action has always been at the, at the top of your list. But for the people who don't know, how long have you been in the legislature and what are your committee assignments? Uh, great. I uh, Actually, I am uh, completing my 22nd year of service to the people and communities of the 37th Legislative District. These would be the peoples and the communities that frankly helped raise me and instilled my values and shaped my worldview. Um, those are the things that really inform what my priorities have been as an individual, but also as a legislator. Um, key among them, so one of the earliest uh, things that I uh, got involved in uh, as well from a political standpoint was the desegregation of public schools here in Seattle. Um, I had the good fortune of getting involved with a group called the um, uh, Quality Public Education Coalition. I'm missing a word there. Uh, but some of the old timers will remember that. And I had a chance to meet some um, pioneer uh, educators um, from uh, a variety of communities in the African-American community, people like Annie Jones, Ricky Malone, um, uh, you know, uh, as well as I do, these these old timers, Dorothy Hollingsworth, who was uh, one of the co-chairs of my very first campaign. Um, so education is very, very important to me. Um, of course, I'm also the daughter of a teacher. I would be remiss if I didn't uh, plaster education right in my uh, the center of my values. Um, I also serve on the Consumer Protection and Business Committee, which deals with um, things like banks and insurance. And that becomes very important from uh, the standpoint of uh, racial equity and economic equity as well, because we know that our communities were frankly shaped by redlining. And redlining uh, occurred because many folks in our communities um, uh, were, when they were trying to seek places to live, um, the majority folk didn't want them in their neighborhoods. And our communities also lacked access to banking services, you know, of the what we see as the conventional uh, type. And so we had to create our own um uh financial arrangements and our own systems um Representative Santos yes I'd just like to interject that uh as chair of the Central Seattle Community Council Federation's Housing Committee 
I chaired that the housing committee that released the first report on redlining in Washington State in 1973. There you so, go. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, so there's been a plan for a long time. To it has to. Condos from waterfront to waterfront and a mass exodus of our folks out. But then once again, it goes back to affirmative. 22 years without affirmative action for black folks. In the first place, people, uh, we already were doing poorly, but now you don't have a law indicating that we will participate. So that's how we lost the CD. Yep, yep, exactly. That that, and the fact uh, around um, access to capital, which affects both um, entrepreneurs uh, as well as um, uh, future potential homeowners, um, those are all very uh, important issues uh, to me. And in fact, I'm, um, uh, I know that both of you are familiar with and supportive of uh, Senator Bob Hasegawa's plan for state bank. Um, I was uh, going back and looking at some of my early, early uh, pieces of legislation. And I realize um, as we are going through this pandemic and the impact it is having economically on our communities, one of the very first bills I offered is a bill that I'm going to actually try and offer again in 2021, dealing with community development financial financial institutions. Again, not to compete with the state bank idea, because I think the state bank is going to have a reach that is desperately needed, but as a complement to the state bank idea and really um, make sure that we have a razor sharp uh, or laser sharp uh, uh, focus on the financial needs of our uh, folks who um, may no longer be in the CD, but we'd sure like to attract them back. And then the last committee that I'm on happens to be the Capital Budget Committee. And how are we looking next next legislative session on the budget with, with the virus and the pandemic, its impact on the budget? How's that looking now for next year? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. It's kind of a depressing question, however. Um, so, you know, the last uh, economic forecast, uh, which came out a few weeks ago, gave indication uh, that uh, the state uh, is looking at an 8.8, .8, so close to $9 billion, that's with a B, uh, shortfall. Uh, difference between uh, the revenues that we had projected we would have um, and the uh, uh, the actual numbers that are coming in. Now, that $9 billion uh, shortfall, I want to clarify, is over a three-year period. So um, the fiscal year that began uh, on July 1st, um, so just uh, eight days ago, a week ago, uh, and that will stretch into June 30th of next year, and then the full biennial, biennium following that. So $9 billion over three years, um, some of us were really advocating to have a um, special session earlier in June, knowing that we were going to have some kind of desperate, horrible shortfall projection. Um, and uh, But that didn't come to pass. And that's truly um, tragic because what that means, so that your listening audience understands, is uh, by the time the legislature uh, comes back into session in January, even if we did an early action supplemental uh, bill, what we're doing is we're concentrating all of the losses into a shorter period of time. Whereas if we had done it sooner, we could have spread it out over a little bit of a longer period of time. Um, 
But make no question, uh, $9 billion is going to hurt any which way you slice it. Um, is this I, the time to present a state income tax or just that's just off the table? Well, you know, um, I uh, I no longer serve on the finance committee. Uh, I had, and I've always been a very, very strong proponent of uh, a graduated or progressive income tax. Um, and um, uh, so the, the, is this a time to be talking about fairer taxes? Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't think we should be boxing ourselves into any one particular tax because uh, I think there are multiple ways to get at a progressive um, tax uh, in the next legislative session. Um, an example would be a progressive uh, capital gains tax. Another would be a progressive uh, real, estate, real estate excise tax. Um, the problem, though, um, uh, Hayward, with most of these proposals, especially an income tax or a capital gains tax, I'm not so sure about the REIT tax, um, but we would not realize um, the revenue from that uh, for the current biennium. So Let me just uh, interject that uh, yeah. we were expecting Shadi Moore to be on the line. We know that she has a full-time job, so I just want to let people know that we were expecting Shadi Moore, who is like, oh, she's on, okay, can we put Shadi on there? Hey, Eddie, can you hear me? Yep. Uh, also, uh, Representative Santos and Hayward Evans are on the line right now, and as a matter of fact, uh, Representative Santos was mentioning earlier about uh, the upcoming board meeting, so as a uh, new board member, uh, why don't you go ahead and just share with the listening audience uh, why you're involved? Uh, what do you what what kind of visions do you have uh, uh, for uh, the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development that is officially known as the, the uh, Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority? So, Shadi Moore. Um, well, thank you for having me. Um, so, as you stated, I was recently um, selected to be on the board for. Um, the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development. Um, and I'm extremely excited about it. I think I'm even more ecstatic as being one of the youngest representatives on the board. Um, and that is something that I definitely don't take uh, for granted. Um, I did have a, a very quick conversation with Representative uh, Santos this morning. Um, and I do look forward to discussing the further development and planning for uh, the facility, as well as um, having that conversation with the uh, inaugural board when we meet, hopefully before um, the month is over, as we are still planning right now. Um, I think for me, more than anything, um, just to make sure that there is a representation for um, the younger generation um, of, uh, of black minorities, right? Um, I work for Amazon Web Services. That's my day job. So definitely, you know, um, adding some sort of a technical um, training um, curriculum in the uh, institute would be um, something that I'm looking forward to. Um, I know that the Seattle Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition is also looking to um, establish some resources um, and um, some space within um, the facility as well. Um, which is upcoming. Um, 
And I mean, to that effect, uh, that's pretty much the high level overview of it. Um, it's definitely going to be um, exciting to hear the other uh, goals um, and visions that the other board members have as well as we uh, partner together on getting this facility um, off the ground and into the public. Um, so, yeah. Sade, thank you very much. I also want to let people know that she's also the chair of Seattle King County. I put the King County. Seattle King County Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing uh, Coalition that sponsors the annual rally and march and, and a job opportunity fair that we're all involved with. So, uh, and I think she and Bobby Alexander were probably the youngest officers we've ever had. Because Sade, you took over when you were 27 or 28. When I started or when I um No, when you uh, took over the, the, well you were you were always in the leadership doing something, but I mean Yeah, I'll probably this. it's it's been about what, almost four years. Um we were enacted in two thousand and sixteen. Um and I can just say this without uh discussing too much. Um and this is something that the executive team has discussed uh with the Seattle Market Community Organizing Coalition is that for one, um we have an all-black executive team um, with everyone on the board being underneath the age of 32, which is very exciting. Um, it's a pleasure to be working alongside Bobby again um, as he's come back from um, the Midwest, uh, obtaining his law degree. So um, that's exciting as well. Um, it is the 39th celebration, and Dr. King was murdered when he was 39. So it is something that we are looking to tie into our theme this year, and it's something that we've been discussing. We also have um, a long list of new ideas on the horizon that we can't wait to discuss with the coalition when we start our meetings next month. Um, so, yeah, just be on the lookout for that. And, you know, like I always say, we need more volunteers. We need more young folks. And I think this is going to be the year where we really source that young leadership um, into the coalition um, where we really start start adopting um, just how we want to see the coalition move forward um, as we um, start training um, and supporting others to take over, right, to keep this going um, forever. Um, so we are really looking forward to um, kind of just discussing these ideas with the uh, coalition um, and I'm just, again, I'm excited for all the planning that's getting ready to take place. Um, I'm excited for the planning that's getting ready to take place with the McKinney Center. Um, there's just a lot of good things on the horizon this year, despite, you know, COVID um, and, you know, the recent um, incidents in the black community. Um, so this is going to be a, a beacon of light. And I'm really looking forward to um, being able to uh, be one of the decision makers um, in these movements. Well, Charlene, thank you very much. Uh, we're gonna we gotta take a, a well. We'll take a break in a couple of minutes. But Hayward had a question first. Eric, would you please give uh, Pastor Manaway a call? As, uh, yeah, Charlene, you've done such a magnificent job sitting in on those meetings. You've run them so smoothly. Great, great job. But just for the listenership, can you give them a little background? Just tell them about you, the, your education, and and what your <laughs> vision is for the future in terms of your education, please. So a um, little bit about me. Well, I am 30. Uh, I will be 31 this year. I have a 10-year-old daughter. Um, I'm originally from East St. Louis, Illinois, um, but I've been in Seattle since I was seven. 
Um, I have an undergrad in human services and an MBA, and I'm crossing my fingers that I will be done with my doctorate's degree by winter of 2021. Um, I mean, considering Mm -hmm. that my dissertation may take me a few months to complete. Um, And then aside from that, again, I work for Amazon Web Services. I'm a senior data center security manager, and I've been doing that for seven years this month. Um, I'm sorry, excuse me, six years this month. Um, And I do sit on several boards within Amazon, um, one for uh, Black Employees Network, another one for Amazon Women in Security, um, and another one for uh, AWS and Community. So um, I'm really looking to engage my resources internally with Amazon um, to sponsor and uh, support uh, the McKinney Center, especially with, um, you know, advances in technology and giving uh, those resources to the black community. Um, so that is something that I'm looking um, in, and I'm looking forward, forward to, and um, I just can't wait to start having those conversations. And I can't wait to have you organize uh, those blacks in Microsoft and Facebook yeah. and, and, and bring Ben in there and uh, set up a curriculum so we can start asking this technology on to the young, younger folks uh, that can use this uh, skill and uh, knowledge to create some uh, opportunities for themselves. Because you can do a lot of things. Matter of fact, so many folks are doing things from home these days. It's not funny. Right. So, uh, mm. matter of fact, most of the people. Well, are, let's so not that just would be say good. the young folks too. Let's let's say all generations, right? Because I think yeah, all generations I, can I, definitely. You're right, Shadi. All I'm, generations I'm, can um, gain something from technology, right? Like you said, yeah. with the pandemic, it's caused a lot of people to convert from anything they were doing in person to all virtual. And I think watching that has been very thing even myself having to adapt um so you know and again like you said working with all these billion dollar tech companies in washington state um where most of them are rooted right and getting them to pour in to um you know this development i think that's going to be important um it's definitely going to be um a strategy of mine um and just networking and resourcing with them um, so we can continue to, you know, to grow and for, you know, th- those um, those possibilities to uh, remain stagnant um, as, you know, the years go on, um, okay. you know, for the community. Friday, we're, we're out of time today, but uh, we know you guys have a meeting coming up and we want to have you back on in a couple of weeks uh, to let us know exactly where things stand with the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority that's known as the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development. And Representative Santos, you hang on with us because Bobby Alexander is next, Sade. Awesome. I mean, after Pastor Manaway. He's, he's after thank Pastor you. Manaway. Okay, thank you very much. We're going to take a break and come right back after this with Representative Santos. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination. 
and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Ryan, co-host Haywood Evans, back to representing Sharon Tomiko Santos. We've been joined by Reverend Dr. Robert L. Manaway, uh, who was the leader of the McKinney Coalition and had significant input in bringing this whole project to fruition. So, uh, Pastor Manaway, thank you very much for your time today. And why don't you just go ahead and start out by just uh, uh, sharing with our listeners a little bit about the trials and tribulations you had to go through to get this project out to a successful outcome, because I know you and I both are very close to Reverend McKinney, so we know what that means to, to you and I. Yes, yeah. yeah, sir. Thank you, Eddie. I uh, I guess it would be, uh, I, I guess, fitting to talk about uh, trials and tribulations in bringing uh, the fruition of the uh, CDCDPA to fruition in the McKinney Coalition. And to be honest, Eddie, you know as well as I know from a distance up until about 18 months ago, I had been on the fringes of being involved with the McKinney Coalition and its, and its greater involvement, especially in this particular project. I was really given an invitation uh, by you, first of all, and then some other members uh, of the McKinney Coalition at the time to come and sit in on a few meetings. And I was blessed. I guess in December of last year, around December, uh, in earnest December last year, and in uh, November as well, to uh, be introduced to Representative Santos um, at the uh, SDI building there uh, in Jackson, on Jackson Street in, in the city of Seattle, and was uh, thoroughly impressed with uh, all of the tiresome work that she had done to be the only writer and sponsor of the legislation that actually brought uh, this vision, uh, this impression to a reality. And so uh, I guess I could start by saying to Representative Santos uh, how appreciative we are. And again, being the only legislator who uh, thought enough of the community uh, in properly representing the 37th district to try and make sure that some of the semblance of our community stayed intact. And many may not know, but there are only a few iconic sites in the central area of Seattle that still exist that give some type of 
uh, a representation that it once was a predominantly African-American uh, community. Uh, I arrived in that community back in 1983. Uh, in that community at that time was about 78 to 81% African-American today. It may be less than 10 or 11%. And Senator Santos, you can help me with those exact numbers on that. But you can see the great swing. And so it has been important to me and other pastors, especially in the community, where our churches have been affected by gentrification, and I, we've seen our membership move out of zip codes uh, tremendously over the past 10 to 15 years. And uh, I used to have a community right there on Jackson Street, 28th and Jackson, across from Forward Park, Eddie. You know where I am. And uh, I used to have a, a congregation where 78% of my members could drive to the congregation, uh, to the site there within 5 to 15 minutes, and 30 minutes was a, was, a, was a real reach back in the day. But today I have uh, that same number now driving in over 30 minutes to 45 minutes, one way to get to the worship site at 2801 South Jackson Street. So to have the SBI building and uh, in our sites, uh, and to develop the program and uh, continue the vision of Reverend Dr. Samuel Berry McKinney is iconic and it's important. And I think also, Senator Santos, we share a great responsibility in helping to make sure that the new residents of the central area really have some context of the historic community or district they've moved into and to appreciate uh, the hard work and the dedicated work, the sacrificial work that went into making facilities like the SBI building a reality. Now, also, uh, over the past uh, 18 months or so, uh, as you know, Eddie and, and Senator Santos, we've gone through, and Haywood, we've gone through this process of uh, really vetting a selection committee, got them all, all, all straight and going and got them seated. They did a wonderful job, those five members, and they've now presented to us as early as around June 26th, before June 30th, the deadline, a, a first board that would be seated here pretty soon for the CDC, CDPA, uh, which would be, they will have the responsibility of making, enlarging upon the vision of the McKinney Coalition's function and meeting and its purpose. I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am to see this first part of the greater labor of Eddie, what I hope would be the beginning of the McKinney Center, uh, mm -hmm. reaching further and even working harder to save the other iconic sites and facilities and the parks that we have in the central area. And I'll relent that because it's just so much. But again, uh, kudos to 37 District Representative Sharon Santos. She has done an exceptional job, and uh, I don't know all the struggles, Sharon, but I've heard some of them. I've been in some of the rooms and some of the meetings, and so uh, job well done, and thank you for your tireless work for the citizens of the 37th District and the African-American community in the central area of Seattle. Well, Pastor Badaway, thank you very much. Uh, we're going to have to have you back on. We don't have as much time as we'd like to have with you because uh, you really have to tell the complete story. So as we as we go down the road for a minute, uh, we want to have you back on to share some more of your knowledge and wisdom 
And I want people to know the commitment you had. Like I said, I know you and I both had a very close relationship with uh, the late Reverend Dr. Sammy Berry. Yes, sir. And their families. Okay, sir. Thank you very much. We appreciate you. You're so welcome, sir. And, and good evening, everybody. Thank All you. Right. Okay. God bless. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a break and come back with, uh, no, we, no, we're going to come back with Bobby Alexander. Eric, we got Bobby on the line? Okay. Uh, our next guest is uh, uh, attorney Robert, uh, a.k.a. Bobby Alexander, vice chair of, uh, of the Seattle King County Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition, uh, graduated from Michigan State University Law School, was the former BSU president at, Gar at, at University of Washington, has a master's in public administration, and uh, he passed the Washington State Bar in February. And uh, he is going to be involved one way or another with the McKinney Coalition and with the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development. So, Bobby, thank you very much for all the work you did going down, uh, uh, convincing representative, keep holding Representative Santos up and making sure the other legislators supported the funding for uh, the Public Development Authority. So why don't you just share a little bit of your background and also uh, your experience with our listeners that, that uh, didn't participate like you and Shade did. Well, uh, I think the first thing uh, that needs to be said is that thank you, Antonis Santos, for all the work that she does for us in the legislature. And then the second thing is that for everybody who's wondering, you know, if, if you don't show your face, you don't exist. And my mom taught me that early in life. And when we went down to Olympia, the people acknowledged us. Uh, they went ahead and ended up giving us some money, not what we asked for. But it's hard for me to imagine getting anything if we didn't show up and participate. You know, a key a part of pluralism in our in our uh, democracy a republic is based on people uh, letting their representatives know that they have skin in the game and that they they want certain things done so by going down there to olympia we at least let the legislator know um, that our our community is very interested in retaining uh, what used to be SVI and now the mckinney center so that would be a brief summary of what we did there Okay, I just wanted to see if uh, if my co-host Hayward Evans had any comments or questions for you. Hey, Bobby, Attorney first, thank you, thank, thank you for being there and, and, mm -hmm. and everything that you've done for the MLK Seattle King County Organizing Committee. I mean, it was absolutely a fantastic event last year. And thank you because you were the speaker uh, February uh, 17th when we did the Black History Month lighting ceremony in Martin Luther King Park. And you gave you sort of gave an overview on that. Uh, now, what, what did you uh, pass the bar in? What, what's your specialty? Oh, actually, I passed the bar in Minnesota. I, I might have to take it again here, potentially if I wanted to practice in Washington, which is a goal of mine. But my specialty will be criminal law. Uh, I've been on both sides of it in Las Vegas, where I interned. I was a prosecutor. Uh, when I interned in Detroit, I was a criminal defense attorney. So I've been on both sides. Criminal law is the thing I find most interesting. I think it has the greatest impact on the African-American community, so that's where I'm going to put my focus. I think uh, later in my career I'll get into civil rights, but the initial goal for me is to just understand exactly how the criminal system works and, and its you know vast impacts on black Americans. Well, I'm I glad to hear that, because, frankly, I think it needs to be reorganized, personally, the whole criminal judicial system. And who better than you? You have a vision. Absolutely. Congratulations, uh, Mr. Alexander Esquire. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, I guess the one thing I would say is um, uh, looking at our criminal justice system, uh, especially with an eye to reform it, that is civil Mm -hmm. rights. So um, thank you for um, that focus. And also thank you for your um, great advocacy in Olympia. Um, Pastor Manaway was overly generous. Um, Even though my name is the only name on the legislation, I couldn't have done it without the support of um, my seatmate, Representative Eric Pettigrew, uh, as well as my senator, Senator Saldana, our senator, Senator Saldana. But more than anything else, all of the members of the McKinney Coalition who showed up and spoke to legislators and lobbied the legislators. And um, I think uh, people like yourself, Bobby, and uh, Sade, and uh, the ministers, of course, um, made such an impression on my colleagues. And um, I think it bears saying one more time, I know uh, Eddie has said this in the past, but I have in 22 years never seen a piece of legislation run through the legislature unamended uh, and pass unanimously by both chambers. And that really is a testament to all of the work that was done um, in the community, by the community. And so thank you, uh, Bobby, for your involvement in that. Well, I need to say something to you, though, because this is this is an important point that needs to be made. We have so many people right now who are exploiting uh, the term of Black Lives Matter. But what, what you've done is you've actually put it into action. You know, with your attempts with uh, putting affirmative action back in place in the state of Washington, it's so easy for people to say Black Lives Matter, but when we talk about changing where the resources go, then people shudder. And, and that's what makes that phrase less valuable than it could be. Uh, so I really value what you've done to put to make that phrase meaningful and and to actually uh, be a force for Black Lives Matter as opposed to just capitalizing on it when it's popular. So thank you, and and that's really where my my appreciation comes from. Well, thank Very you. Very good point, Gosh. Bobby. Uh, because of the fact uh, Representative Santos introduced uh, House Bill twenty eight twenty two to repeal I two hundred that was. Re- re- uh, uh, removed affirmative action from Washington State in 1998. And then in 2017, she submitted House Bill uh, uh, 1858. I think it was 1858. And uh, the Senate had a companion bill that looked like they had the votes over there. But uh, unfortunately, uh, we had one person that voted against it, didn't get out of committee. So in terms of uh, Representative Santos's uh, efforts to bring uh, equality at all. And like I said, I sent out some emails and had on that Black Lives Matter 1 and Black Lives Matter 2 to illustrate that to her, Black Lives do matter because then we come back and, as she just indicated, House Bill 1918, uh, the sole sponsor, unopposed in the House and the Senate. And uh, hey, uh, and that, that restores something that make Black Lives Matter at 22nd of Jackson. So she's been way ahead of It's not nothing she's doing now but hopefully we can get other elected officials to follow her lead and truly make Black Lives Matter. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you. Okay, thank Bobby, you all. We'll, we'll have you back on. Uh, uh, we'll keep track. Uh, I said I wish I could have had you on. Bobby, are you 30 years old yet? I just turned 30. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it might have been good to have you on the board too. That that those. This is the kind of commitment and kind of 
Because the thing is, Hayward and I, even though we're old teenagers, we you know, we need to move <laughs> along pretty soon. We need to move <laughs> along pretty soon. And we need some young, responsible folks like you guys have already demonstrated your leadership for years. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you'd be president of BSU. I know you got your other guys in the Alpha Phi Altas and uh, the other folks you you uh, have the relationships with. So uh, you're the person to bring things together. So we appreciate you, Bobby, and thank you for your time today. And Bobby, Representative Santos has a bill coming up in the legislature to help fund some of the uh, marginalized, uh, disadvantaged businesses. So you need to hook up with her. That's right. Okay. Actually, well, well, I'd like much. I'd like to have him run for office. <laughs> well. Uh, that's uh, that's an ambition of mine, but I do believe that I, I need to uh, have like a career first and, and have a real job so that uh, I can have some hair on my chin, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, we got to take a break and then go okay. to our next guest. So Thanks, hold Bobby. On. Thank you. Okay. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Want to hear something different from talk radio? Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. Eddie Ryan Hayward Evans back. Uh, Representative Santos is going to check out. Uh, we appreciate her being on for the almost entire hour. But she wants to get a shout out of appreciation to some folks. So I wanted to go ahead. Yes. Then we'll go to, to Ron and to uh, uh, Brother Dash. Go right ahead. Thank you so much, Eddie and Hayward, again, for allowing me to be a guest on your show, uh, Urban Forum Northwest. I want to say um, we all owe a huge debt of gratitude to the CDCPDA Selection Committee, who on their volunteer time uh, spent hours uh, taking a look at uh, resumes, having conversations. So big shout out to uh, the selection committee comprised of Connie Bowen, Camila Brown, Bob Flowers, uh, Pastor Kenneth Ransfer, and uh, all under the direction of their uh, chair, Dr. Heather Clark, 
Um, my uh, great appreciation to each and every one of them, um, and I hope you will join me in thanking them. Thank you very thank much, Representative Santos. We appreciate your participation today. Thank and you. Now we will go to Ron uh, Dixon and Dadabudu Dash, uh, uh, who are representing. As a matter of fact, uh, Brother Ram is uh, the founding uh, founder of Alliance for Persecuted People. Worldwide, there's a big event that's coming up, and Ram, I did correct that on the Facebook post. <laughs> so now we do have the correct uh, uh, website address up. So uh, why don't we go right ahead and uh, for the people that didn't hear last week, uh, give us an overview of what the activities are going to be on Sunday from four to six on uh, the town hall meeting. Awesome, Eddie. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for bringing me back on. Uh, this time, along with one of the panelists for our event on the 12th. We're super excited to be doing this. And as I mentioned to your viewers last week, the Alliance for Persecuted Peoples Worldwide, or APPWW, you know, we work with the oppressed and the voiceless amongst us through advocacy, through education and advocacy. And on Sunday, this coming Sunday, we're doing a town hall, town hall on how do you bridge the racial divide? You know, how can communities come together, have a forward-looking discussion on identifying issues, identifying solutions to some of the heart-wrenching challenges that we have, especially post-Minneapolis. And before I, I, I continue any further, uh, one of the things I couldn't do last week because of time, and I just wanted to share this with your viewers, is, you know, APPWW and our members, we look at oppression and persecution and the causes for this in the broadest of terms. What does that mean, right? If someone's oppressed because of the color of their skin, we fight for them because that's wrong. We, we, we stand up and make our voice heard. If someone's oppressed because of who they pray to, maybe they don't believe in a higher being and they don't pray. We fight for them because we are for all religions. We are not against any religion. And if someone's oppressed because of who they choose to have a relationship with, you know, who they love, you know, their sexual orientation, we fight for them. Because our view, as long as there's even one person who's subject to oppression, whether it's due to racism, anti-Semitism, Hindophobia, or Islamophobia, or any of the other myriad biases out there, the fight's unfinished. We're all in this thing together. We've got to come together, help each other, and that's why APPWW, we're about building bridges, listening, learning, and driving action through advocacy. And so this Sunday, the 12th, our town hall, is first in a series that we want to do to listen, to learn, and hopefully as an outcome of the town hall, you know, with leaders like you, Eddie, uh, we're, we're going to come up with a couple of initiatives that we can all coalesce around, we can champion, and we can drive within our communities. Now, just for the listenership, for the listening audience, uh, if you could just explain, because I, I, when I was reading about your organization, a lot of it is really taking on the legal systems that exist and perpetuating. Can you share a little bit? with our listening audience about that, some of your work? Yeah, because... You know, it, I'm, I'm sorry? 
can, can you share with the listening yeah. audience of some of the work that you're doing as it relates to the criminal justice, the, the legal systems within various countries, because you work around the world? Yeah, we have about two minutes. I want to get Dash in for a minute, too. Yeah, I, I see. Look, look, you know, if anybody's persecuted anywhere around the world, what we try to do is sit down, you know, first step, listen and learn. We've driven town halls around, you know, initiatives around say, persecution of minorities across Southeast Asia, Pakistan, et cetera, you know, especially in this time of COVID-19, and trying to get down to at a policy level, you know, what are some of the drivers for that? And then how can we work with influencers, decision makers to really educate them, make them aware of some of these issues? that they can then drive policies and changes within the system. Ron, we have two minutes left. I'd like to have Dash get in for a minute. He's one of the panelists. Yes, yes. Yes, Brother Eddie. Uh, I thank you so much. Uh, this is this is many times, uh, one of the many times I've got the opportunity to uh, be in your platform, in the radio station, talking to your audience. And what is happening on 12th is path-breaking, path-breaking for our community, because you know that I have been involved with the Building Bridges Across the Nation initiative for last 10 to 11 years. In fact, last year, you were here at the University of Washington when we hosted our event and the Consul General was here and you uh, you are so you are so great to give him a King County pin to, to him. So the objective is, you know, to understand our communities, to understand the the the, the racism right there in the system, systemic racism. We need to understand that. By saying something, by rhetoric, you know, we cannot resolve this. It has been there for such a long time. So what we are trying to do, and I'm so glad, I'm so grateful that APPWW is organizing this. First of all, I'm not against any religion. Brother Eddie, I am I'm Hindu by religion because my father was a Hindu, but my mother was a Christian. It might be a news to a lot of people. I don't, I don't brag about it, but I belong to the family where both the religions work together. I have seen both the religions. I have got the best of both from the, my okay. childhood. So anybody talks okay. about the religion, I say, you know what, I know better than you. <laughs> All right. But <laughs> well, Dad and is, Mom, uh, we're out of time. We're going to have to go. Yes, uh, yes. So we are bringing together the communities to make some serious initiatives okay. so that we can resolve okay. it in the time to come. That's okay, we're out of time, guys. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh, before we go, I want to let you know that Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by Sound Transit Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle's Emergency and Construction Services Office, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, Concourse Concessions, the Tag Bar Group. With LLC. Stephanie Ogle does our website. I want to thank all the guests today and Haywood Evans and I will be back with you again next Thursday. So thank you, Eric. We appreciate you.